0: Good morning. I'm not Eric Dickey. Uh, Just wanted to say a a couple of words before Eric got up and and, uh, spoke this morning. Uh, You know, what uh, Tommy has said and and what Bob said is true. This uh, church has had a long, long history in being involved in uh, child care and children's homes. And in fact, I think several years ago, this church actually ran its own uh, children's home. But we've had a a long history with both the uh, home in Portalis and the one in Lubbock and and have enjoyed a great relationship with them and and look forward to many more years in in service together. Uh, What we've done over the last several years is we've invited both homes to to come in on one uh, Sunday, generally in September, and allow them to be able to kind of tell their story. Because I think it's important for us to be reminded on a consistent basis of the story that they have to tell and about the lives that they impact. And uh, what we've done is uh, we've alternated, uh, allowing one home to preach one year and, and another one uh, the next year. And this year it's the turn of the uh, uh, children's home of Lubbock. And Eric Dick will be uh, getting up to give the message in just a minute. But I do want to remind you, please stay around for class uh, this after, the, right after services. Uh, Both uh, the Children's Home of Lubbock and uh, the New Mexico Christian Children's Home will be giving a presentation on the work that they're doing here. And I think uh, Alan Mann with the uh, New Mexico Christian Children's Home is actually going to have some of the residents get up and and, uh, have a little interaction with that, which I think would be uh, be helpful. I think it's really important. uh, Get to know some of these kids that are there. These are the people that you actually help. Get to know the uh, house parents that are here. These are the people that you actually impact on a daily basis, and uh, I will tell you I have looked at what you do as a, a, a house parent, and uh, that is truly a calling that I do not have. I, I will tell you uh, you have to you have to be a really really special person uh, to do that, and uh, we appreciate you. We really do appreciate you. Uh, I do want to introduce uh, Eric. Uh, I do have to make a disclaimer. Monty Newman and I have known him. A long time. <laughs> I think, were, were you the, you were, I can't even remember your your associate minister or?
1: Education
0: minister. And then. Okay. He, he was the education and youth minister back when I was a youth. So that has been a few years ago, if that if that ages Eric just a little bit. Uh, you know, Eric's a great guy, and he has uh, preached and, and worked uh, with churches for years, and uh, always does a, a great uh, job in uh, uh, bringing a, a lesson that that has to do with uh, children's homes and, and child care. And I think we'll really be blessed by, by listening to him today. Eric. I'll go ahead and turn it over to you.
1: It is always a joy for uh, me to be able to be here at Taylor Street. Uh, because of ties I have, with wonderful friends and with all of you, but also because of the ties that we have through your participation in the work of these two children's homes. And it means a lot to me to get to share this time uh, with y'all at least once a year. And another really uh, wonderful thing about coming here is, Y'all always have Tom, or y'all call him Tommy, lead singing, and that's a real blessing to me, uh, to be able to be in a place where uh, he is leading singing. Uh, He's gifted, as you know well, and it just touches my heart uh, to see his dedication to the Lord. And I get to see, well, I started to say I get to see his dedication to the Lord through the children's home on a daily basis, but I'm on the road all the time, so I don't get to see him any more than you do. (laughs) Hardly uh, anymore. Luke 24, verse 45 and following. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told him, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. What we have just shared there is Jesus' commissioning of the disciples. Now, some may think it's the commissioning of the apostles, but no, it's a commissioning of the disciples. And I think we ought to look at this and say, how did these people get to this point where Jesus would say, you are my messengers? You're the ones taking my word and my message. How'd they get there? Had to be something happening to bring them to that point. And when we talk about the disciples, I don't know about you, but the one that I always think of first is Peter. Actually, he's the one that's listed first on several of the listings of the apostles. And I think there's a reason for that. I think more people would identify with Peter than with any of the other uh, uh, disciples or apostles that are uh, mentioned in the Bible. Why? Because it took him a long-distance drive to get from where he started out to the point where it would say then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures to me he is the really the epitome of a disciple and in the gospel of luke there are some points that are made that i believe show how he got from being simon the fisherman to being peter the rock that jesus depended on let's look at Some passages that uh, tell us how he came to be at this point where Jesus would entrust everything to him. In the fourth chapter of Luke, before verse 38, it's telling about how Jesus is doing his mission. He is preaching, he is teaching, and he is healing people. And he's doing all kinds of miracles. No mention has been made of Simon Peter before this verse 38. And I'm going to guarantee you that Simon was in amongst the crowds that were seeing all of these things happening and hearing what Jesus was saying. And if you had asked him, he would have probably told you, yeah, this is wonderful but jesus doesn't know me from adam but in luke 4 verses 38 and 39 it says that when jesus had finished this period of time it says he left the synagogue and went to the home of simon wasn't invited there's no indication that peter invited him In fact, I'll guarantee you, Peter didn't have any idea that Jesus was going to show up at his house. Because as far as Peter is concerned, I'm a fisherman, I'm just one of the crowd, and I am really loving what is going on. But he didn't know Jesus even knew him. And Jesus goes directly to Simon's house, Simon Peter's house, and when he gets there... Peter's mother-in-law is ill with a fever. Doesn't tell us any more than that, but it had to be serious. She's ill with a fever, and Jesus healed her. Can you picture yourself being in the head of Peter when this is happening? First, he came to my house. He selected me. He chose me. And what happens here is the disciple is chosen before the disciple is even aware that Jesus knows him. He's chosen before he's aware. And then the next passage is Luke 5 verses 1 through 11. Jesus is preaching at the edge of the lake, which is the Sea of Galilee. Sometimes it's called a lake, sometimes it's called a sea. It's either, because that's what the Bible calls it, so it must be right, right? He's preaching there, and then it says in the Scripture that Jesus saw two boats there. There were a lot of boats on that uh, shore, but Jesus saw two. He knows they belong to fishermen, and... He surprises everybody, and especially Simon, Peter, again. He chooses Simon's boat. And he gets in it and he says, let's go offshore. And I'm guessing that Peter probably thought he's tired, he wants to get away from this crowd. No, he just goes off the shore and he begins to teach and preach from the boat, from Simon's boat. Now... What do you think Simon Peter is doing when this is happening? The passage tells you. It says, as he is teaching, that it comes about that uh, the fishermen are washing their nets. Uh, Simon Peter was a multitasker, he could listen. And he could wash a net at the same time. And then Jesus says, put your nets out in the deep water. And Peter says, we were fishing there all night last night and we didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, put your nets there. And the scripture says that they were struggling very greatly to be able to pull the nets in they were so full and then you know what Peter said Peter said a surprising thing he said go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man can you imagine telling Jesus go away from me that's what Peter said and Peter speaking from his from his heart he is speaking his whole heart Because he knows he is unworthy of any contact with Jesus. Peter's not thinking about being a disciple or being an apostle here. Peter doesn't think that's possible. Because he says, I'm a sinful man. That's the second lesson of the disciples in his education. He's got to understand that he's unworthy of being a disciple. Then in Luke 7, verses 39 through 50, the previous verses tell that Jesus is going about doing his healing, healing, miracles and other things, and a woman comes up and touches his garment because she has a very serious problem And the scripture says that when she touched his garment, she was cleansed of her illness. The next thing that happens is it says that the Pharisees who were there, they either thought or said amongst themselves, not out loud, not for public use, but they said, if he knew who this woman was, he would not let her touch him because she is a sinner. The idea was that because she was so sinful, by touching him she made Jesus unclean. Jesus doesn't answer them. Instead he turns to Peter and he tells him little story. He says there were two men, one man that owed one man money. One man owed him 500 denarii. The other owed him 50 denarii. And he says the man knew that neither man was able to pay the debt. And so he forgave them both their debt. And then he asks Peter, which of the two do you think would love him more? Do you know the answer? You're going to come up with the same answer Peter did. Peter said, the one who was forgiven the most. And Jesus said, you're right. I want to ask you a question here. Why did Jesus specifically tell this story to Peter? Why did he specifically ask Peter the question? Why didn't he ask John or James or Andrew? Why didn't he ask one of the, the disciples like Philip or somebody else? Why did he ask Peter this? And why did he get Peter to say, the one that will love him most is the one who has been forgiven the most? Because he knew Peter. And he also knew that everybody else there would get the message because of of what he was teaching Peter. Then Jesus turned to the woman, finally. And he didn't say anything to her about her touching him. And he didn't say anything to her about the serious health issue that had been healed. What he said to her was... Actually, he didn't talk to her. He talked to everybody else. And he says, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. You think he intended for Peter to get a lesson from that? Why Peter? Why not James or John or one of the others? Why Peter specifically? I think we'll see the answer a little bit later. Then in Luke 9, verses 18 through 20, they've been doing all of these things Uh, Jesus and the disciples have been doing all of these things, and specifically the the twelve who became known as the apostles. They've been doing all of these things, all of this teaching, and Jesus had been doing all of these miracles and all of these healings. And he just kind of stops, maybe in the middle of the road, and he turns to them and he says... Who do men say I am? Now he's asking all of them this. And they begin to answer. Uh, they say, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're maybe Elijah, come back from the dead. And then he says, Who do you say I am? Who answers? It's Peter that answers. He doesn't hesitate. He immediately speaks up and says, God's Messiah. Most important thing he could have said, he said, you are God's Messiah. He's saying much more than what you and I might read that phrase as saying. What he's saying is, you are everything that God has promised Other versions say you are the Christ. That just simply means the Messiah. Peter says, "God, you are God's Messiah. Now, I want you to know something about him at this stage. He has made, we call it the great confession. It is. And you and I, if we were looking at uh, Peter and his progress here, we'd probably say, he's ready. But you notice, it's not until chapter 24 that it says Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It's not until chapter 24 that he says, you are my witnesses. Peter knows one thing here. He knows who Jesus is. That's what a disciple has to learn. Then in Luke 22 verses 31 through 34 it gets a little scary and again in this passage Jesus speaks directly and particularly to Peter not to James, John or Andrew or Thaddeus or whatever the others that you might think of. He says Simon Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Now he includes all of them. But why does he say Simon? I think we understand when we read the rest of the story. He said, A disciple is going to be tested, is going to be sifted as you would sift wheat. Going to be tried. But that's not all he says in this passage. Because he says. I have prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. You and I already know what's coming up next. Jesus is speaking to. Particularly to Peter. A man who has no clue as to what's happening next. He's been told that Jesus is going to die. He's been told that Jesus is going to be crucified. He has been told all of this, but it hasn't sunk in and he has no clue. Jesus said, Simon, you are going to be tried and tested. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That's a real big truth that you and I need to know about the disciples and about anyone who is a disciple of Christ. They're going to be tested, and Jesus has already prayed for them. Luke 22, verse 54 through 62 is the story of Peter being sifted like wheat. Worst day of his life. I'll guarantee you he'd tell you that. Worst day of his life. He's already seen the people come to the garden to arrest Jesus. He's tried to prevent it. He's cut off the ear of the high priest's servant with a sword, not because he was trying to cut off an ear, but because he was willing to kill to protect Jesus, not understanding that that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Jesus said, put your sword away. Don't do this. My kingdom is not of this world, if it were. I would command you to fight. Can you imagine how crestfallen Peter was? He's trying to do his best to protect the Lord, not knowing that the Lord doesn't need his protection. And then he goes in, and you read the story of the trials before Jesus is is crucified, and I want you to, to see one thing. One disciple is named as having been there. A little bit later, it says that John was at the crucifixion. But Peter was there during the trials. Now, yeah, he was outside while the trials were going on. And he's scared to death. And you know what happens next. In a procession. Three different people come up to him and say, you're one of them. You were with him. You are a follower of his. And three times Peter says, I don't know the man. Jesus had just said in the garden, Peter, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, I won't. I'll go to prison with you. I will die with you. I will not deny you. And the scripture says, the rooster crowed. And it says, and he went out and wept bitterly. I'm going to tell you one thing. If Jesus hadn't prayed for Peter, the bitter tears wouldn't have meant anything. But Jesus prayed for him that his faith might not fail. And it did not. Luke 24 verse 12 this is on Sunday the women have gone out to the to the tomb and they find the tomb empty they come back and they tell the disciples he's not there he's risen and the scripture says one of the disciples responded the rest it says they were afraid But it says Peter got up and ran to the tomb. And I want you to understand his reason for going to the tomb was not to check their story out and see if the grave was empty. Peter ran out there knowing that Jesus had risen from the dead. He knew the Messiah couldn't be kept in the tomb. And it's after this that Luke records. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you What my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. This is the education of one disciple that we're talking about here. There were other parts of his education, but these are specifically what Luke tells us applied to Peter. What application in our lives should we make? from what we've just read and studied. First, Jesus chose me before I was aware. Jesus chose me before I was aware that He even knew me. Jesus chose me before I was aware that I could possibly be a disciple. Jesus chose me first. Second, I am unworthy of his choosing. There's never anything I could do to become worthy, but he still chose me. Third, I am forgiven and I am being forgiven. Everything that I do is in his hands because I am his disciple. He chose me even though I was unworthy. Fourth, he is my Savior, he is the Messiah that God sent for me. And fifth, as his disciple, I will be tried. I will be tested. Hard times will come. Satan won't leave me alone. But Jesus has already prayed for me that my faith will not fail. Sixth, I will fail him. We all do but Jesus has prayed for me that my faith may not fail. And seventh, when it's the right time, he will open my mind to to understand the scriptures. And eighth, I am his witness. And notice I did not say I will be his witness. I am his witness. Because he said, you are my witnesses. The reason that it's good for us to learn about the education of the disciple Simon Peter is because everything that applied to him that we've learned applies to me. And applies to you. And God, through his son Jesus Christ, entrusts us with the best message that has ever been heard anywhere on earth. He is God's Messiah. And he has been raised from the dead for us. Where are you in your relationship to Jesus? Are you like Peter was in the beginning, standing there, watching, listening? Are you at the point where you you see that, that he has paid attention to you, chosen you? Are you at the point where you can acknowledge He is the Promised One? Are you at the point where you can stand up and say, I may not know the right thing to do, but I'm going to do the thing that I think God wants me to do? Are you at the point where you can say, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner? Are you at the time where because of the things that you've done, the tears come because you realize you haven't lived up to being that disciple? And are you at the point where you're willing and ready to open your heart and open your minds to understand the scriptures the way Jesus wants you to understand them? And are you at the point where you recognize that he has given you a charge and that charge is you are my witnesses? If you are needing prayers of this church, This is a time that you can make that need known. If you're in need of being buried with him in baptism, that's the beginning of discipleship because you surrender to him. This is the time that you can do that. Why not respond to the master and become
0: his disciple today as we stand and sing?